0: Camp is more than a place, it's a state of mind.
1: Welcome to Extension Out Loud, a podcast from Cornell Cooperative Extension. I'm Paul Treadwell,
2: And I'm Katie Balden.
1: For this episode, we're talking to who, Katie?
2: We're talking to Amy, Corinne, and Sabrina, who are each camp directors for different 4-H camps in New York State. And we're also talking to Sean, who is a New York State camp specialist who supports camps across the state.
1: And we had a previous conversation with Sean and a different camp director about a year or so ago. This season was certainly a unique camp season.
2: Yeah, definitely. It was really interesting and inspiring to hear all of the different ways that Amy, Corinne, and Sabrina changed the camp experience this year to make it safe and fun. Corinne Tompkins here
0: from 4-H Camp Shankatunk in Delaware County, and I believe that 4-H camps are special because we follow the 4-H mission, learn by doing, and we just bring people together, get to know each other, we make positive connections, and we we implement positive youth development with kids and and our staff, and it's just a great experience.
3: welcoming to everyone. Hi, I'm Amy Pira from 4-H Camp Beechwood in Wayne County. I think the spirit of camp is really the bond that happens between the campers and our counselors and the staff, creating friendships and learning about nature.
4: Hi, this is Sabrina Duru from 4-H Camp Obasso in Jefferson County. And I think the spirit of 4-H Camp is really the sense of belonging that all of 4-H tries to foster in all 4-H programs, but at camp, it is more special because we're able to spend so much time together and build life skills while really just having fun.
5: Hi, uh, Sean T.D. I'm the New York State 4-H camping specialist. And I think I would echo what the others have said at this point. I think uh, 4-H camp is a really special place because it's open to anyone. You don't have to be a member of 4-H to attend. It's open to any youth that age-wise is eligible to attend or participate in the case of this year as we had some new experiences that were introduced. So that openness and creating that sense of belonging, I think that's what makes us a special program.
1: Yeah, and Sean, you really bring up one of the main reasons to have this conversation right now is, you know, we are living in a period that is different than anything I think any of us experienced in our lifetime. So the experience of 4-H Camp This season was radically different from anything else in the past I think we've experienced. Can you all talk a little bit about how you bring that spirit into this virtual environment that we're in and facilitate some of the same experiences for your youth?
0: I'd love to tackle that for you, Paul. So at 4-H Camp Shankatunk, we really wanted to make sure that we got something out to our camp families because camp is more than a place. It's a state of mind. And It's an experience that kids look forward to every year from the moment they leave. And we wanted to make sure we were able to fill that gap. We released a camp in the box program where we packed up camp activities and culture and positivity, and we sent it right to the kids to do safely at home. And in addition to that, we also did some virtual programming and we did some interactive game sessions, some camp favorite traditions, we had sing alongs. We just kind of brought the spirit of
4: camp into the virtual realm this summer.
1: And is that a universal experience for the rest of you guys?
4: So at 4-H Camp Wabasso, we did something very similar. We saw the need to be able to connect to our campers as well. And we did put together a camp in a box. We sent them out to almost 600 youth in our county and beyond. And we... Supplemented the at home activities with virtual sessions where the campers could join us to do some of the activities together, but also play games and really build that sense of community that camp has. And then we closed each of the three sessions with a virtual campfire. So we were able to do some sing alongs and tell some campfire stories, really play big group activities and games and close it with a really nice um, show and tell and our closing campfire story.
3: In Wayne County with Camp Beechwood, one thing that makes us really unique is that our counselors are our teams that are part of our Wayne County 4-H program. So we really felt that we needed to provide some sort of leadership for our teams. And we actually met with our teams that had signed up to be counselors and they helped us make the decision to go virtual because they still wanted something to happen, but knew that camp would look very different. We only operate one week in the summer. So we maintained that same week and we sent boxes of material to them. And every day was planned out, structured, starting from 10 in the morning to 11.45. And we kept a very similar schedule to what we normally have at camp so that we could maintain that feel of camp and still use some of the programming that we do at camps. We started every day with our opening ceremonies with our 4-H pledge and did some songs. And then our counselors still had cabin time where they did the activity that we mailed home with the kids. We broke all the kids up into individual cabins and our counselors led the activity with our campers and then we had guest presenters followed by some rec time and then we also shared things about our camp we explored our camp so so even though we couldn't physically be at camp we had taken our counselors and we had hiked our camp and made some videos about different aspects of our camp and then we were able to show that to our campers in hopes that some of them would take some day trips and go up to our camp and be able to hike around because our camp is actually at a state park. So they could explore it on their own time.
5: There were some other programming opportunities that some of our other camps created as well that are worth mentioning here because it was a new experience for both the camps and the families. We did have two of our day camps that typically run the entire summer. They did continue to run this summer in a modified format and so all the various safety equipment for the campers and the staff and the temperature checks and those sorts of things And that was a challenge, but the camp directors dove in and it was definitely a different experience for them this summer. And then a number of our camps did some family camping experiences. So one of our camps, Connick Dunes down on Long Island, a family could reserve a block in the morning or a block in the afternoon to do specific activities like boating with their family for three hours or nature studies or archery So you would essentially call or go online, make a reservation for your family to come and participate in a camp program. We had 4-H Camp Overlook has been doing overnight family programming where families reserve a cabin and they bring their own food and they can participate in camp programs that are delivered by a limited staff. Those are new ventures for our camps as well. They took some time to see how things were shaping up for the summer in terms of what we were allowed to do, not allowed to do, what we felt comfortable doing. And so some family camping opportunities came out of this as well. Probably one of the biggest roles I played early on was just trying to acquire as much information as possible and get it out to camp directors from all the various sources, the American Camp Association, Department of Health, risk management, all those things, because at the beginning, it was day by day as we planned to open
1: Sean, what was the response rate this year? Did participation in camps now that they were doing these virtual or alternative activities, did it increase? Did it decrease? Did it stay about the same?
5: We didn't do virtual programming before so that increased. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So it is a valid question. It's one that we'll be asking our camp directors to report on what types of programming they did and what the results were. I think if we look at The three camp directors that are with us today, I think, were tremendously successful passing the goals that they had for Camp in the Box, selling out their day camp at Camp Beachwood. And so I think the new opportunities, once Camp's made the decision to dive in and try something, were very exciting and were well-received. So our reporting will be different this year as we try to figure out, across our system, we offered things like, virtual CIT programs and cool campfires and all of those things that were never done before. So I think the reach may be a bit hard to figure out because you never know how many people are on the other side of that screen, but it's a whole different format. So in person attendance, you know, definitely down.
1: From many of the three camp directors we have here, what was the process of making this transition? What sort of support did you have? Did you communicate with each other a lot as you were engaging and planning for this new reality?
0: Paul, I would say on your question regarding the process, Sean provided us information as it became available, which was very helpful going into the summer, so that we could make an informed decision. Do we have the ability to adapt to these new regulations? Do we have the desire to adapt to these new regulations? Once the decision came down that we weren't permitted to have overnight youth camping, then... For us at 4-H Camp Shankatunk, that was kind of a harsh reality. Okay, we can't have our regular camp. Now what do we do? So that's how we came up with Camp in the Box. We wanted to do something, and knowing that we can't have regular camp was a stepping stone to deciding where we go next. So we did work with a small group during the shelter-in-place, the pandemic, to brainstorm ideas and decide what would work for us, what would work for other camps. And I know I personally talked a little bit with Sabrina while we were planning our camp in the box and she was planning hers and we shared ideas on what was going in them and where we could get the things that were going in them. And so it was very helpful to brainstorm
3: with our camp group throughout the pandemic. I ditto what Corinne says. Sean provided us a lot of guidance and that's That's why we pulled our teens in to have them help us make the decision and make them feel like they were part of our decision-making process. But they also were instrumental in helping put together our schedule and talking about the things that they love the most about camp and how they kind of left the task to myself and Jessica Spence to now how can we make all the things they love about camp, how can we fit it into a virtual setup? And that's why we decided to have the week-long login to your Zoom camp So that we could still do all the great fun things that we do at camp, but do it virtually. And it was very successful for us. Like Sean said, we said we could take 30 kids is what we figured based on our counselors. And in true 4-H fashion, we took 31 kids. And we have just amazing reviews from our families that it was a great thing to do during the summer. Because even though they couldn't
4: be in person, they still really enjoyed it.
1: Sabrina, you were...
4: So I echo what both Corinne and Amy have said as well. It was a learning process as we were learning all of the guidelines coming out and realizing that if camp were to run, it doesn't look like camp and realizing that it might not be the safest thing to do. And when we took that transition to closing camp and realized we had to provide something else. We want to be in our campers' lives and provide the service to our community. The camp in a box was the biggest idea that we came up with right from the get-go. And it was a huge amount of work right out of the right out of the gate because we wanted to make sure we could put it together and get it out so that campers could sign up for it in time. And So my goal for that program was relatively low and maybe 100 campers throughout the summer. And the response rate was huge, way more than I would have expected. To be able to serve almost 600 kids through that program was pretty amazing. And I think it definitely showed the need in the community as well as just the impact that camp can have even in an untraditional camp season.
2: As someone who likes to get boxes in the mail and, and open them and <laughs> explore what's inside, I'm curious to hear what some of the activities that were included in the camp in a box mailings were.
4: For 4-H Camp obasso, we did three different rounds. So the first one was outdoor adventures. The second round was nature explorations. And then the last round was tech camp, because that was a A week long camp that we've been providing the last two years.
1: And Corinne, what was your what were your boxes like?
0: We also offered a variety of box themes at 4 H Camp Shankatunk. We had five options for the kids to choose from. They had science, nature, crafts, clover bud for our younger day campers, which was a very artsy box. And then also our classic box, which is what you think of when you think of camp. And so we also had a slew of options that went into every box. So every camper got a s'mores kit, every camper got camp bingo, and a photography challenge that they could do at home, a reflection prompt, like a kindness challenge. That's a big part of what we do here at camp. So we wanted to make sure that got into our boxes. We literally sent the kids a piece of camp. We had staff go out and collect rocks from around camp and they hand-painted a rock for each camper to literally send them a piece of our camp in the mail. And then in every box, there were five hands-on activities and all of the supplies that they needed to do those activities. And so that's where the themes came in.
1: Amy, did you guys do a camp-in-the-box type thing, or was it a different experience for you?
3: Yep, we did a camp-in-the-box also. Each day had a different theme with it, and so we sent an activity based on that
1: day. It's amazing what you guys managed to pull together and pull off.
3: Yeah,
2: super impressive.
5: So I think one of the the things that was an interesting turning point for us, uh, it certainly made an impact on me, it was really till the end of June, up until the end of June, that we were waiting on the governor's decision about what we could do. And so although the decision was made by the governor that overnight camps were not allowed, day camps were. And at that point, we had started having weekly Zoom meetings. We don't normally meet that often as camp directors, usually just once a month as a whole group, but we started doing it once a week just to have brainstorming connection. And there was one call without anybody telling any of the camps they had to do anything. Literally every single camp director was like, well, we're thinking about doing this instead, or we're thinking about doing that instead. And we're thinking about doing this. And so if camps have the ability to do anything, we adapt really well. My whole mantra through all of this was we have to be the hope. Like families are hoping for something good as this is all happening Camp is such a happy, fun place for families and kids that that hope and that fun was just something we had to somehow develop. And I think I had so much respect for our camp directors when they were like, "Okay, well, if we can't do what we planned, what else can we do? I can personally say from my own experience, my two nieces each have a camp in the box and they're so excited when they receive the boxes. And as they've done the activities, they send me pictures and things like that. And so I think the creativity for something we've never done before was pretty amazing. And I think something else that was really cool that came out of all of this is that the camps all have different staffing capabilities throughout our extension system. And Corinne and Sabrina opened their program to anybody. So they cross-promoted. Other camps could take the information. If they weren't able to staff up a camp in the box program, Karina and Sabrina worked with them to share their program so that there was an opportunity for campers across the state, youth across the state, to experience things that otherwise they wouldn't have been able to.
0: One thing I wanted to add about our program, talking about staff, one of the things that surprised me the most with our staffing this summer, you know, we were able to bring on a small skeleton crew and they just embody resilience and flexibility and adaptability. And I was so proud of each and every one of them. They come to camp to work with the kids and when they signed up to be counselors with us, they were expecting to do classes here with kids. And then I kind of turned everything on its head and I said, all right, well, now you're gonna lead your activities you know, virtually or you have to video record yourself so we can upload it to our YouTube channel. And my staff all became YouTube professionals in a day. And I was just so proud in each and every one of them. And the support we got from funders for our project was overwhelmingly positive. They wanted to support the kids, but didn't necessarily know what they could do as funders. And so when they came across a program like our Camp in the Box, they were more than happy to jump on board and support that initiative. And I was just overwhelmed by the positivity. And as Sean said, the pictures and the reactions that we got from families, it was just incredible. And I was so happy and, and honored to be a part of something this summer.
2: Thinking back to my camp days, one of the things that I always took away from camp were like these stories of wild things that happened or unexpected things uh, that happened. So I'm wondering if any of you came away with any surprises or any specific moments that stand out from this camp season.
4: I will start by saying the biggest challenge for me this summer was the fact that I personally hadn't led a campfire yet. And now I had to figure out how to not only lead one, but lead it virtually. Um, So that was a huge challenge for me. And the first campfire, I had no idea how it was going to go. And it was two hours. And to keep kids engaged for two hours is a feat, especially virtually. And it went swimmingly. The kids had so much fun. The campers really jumped in. They worked together as teams, even though we're, you know, at separate screens all across the state, even all over the country. That was huge for me to see that. And then the campers really embodied the comfort of being at camp. You could see it because one of the campfires, you know, we're all sharing. I have a show and tell portion of it where they get to share their their favorite activity from their box. And we're doing that. We're doing it round table with 30 kids all sharing. And then one camper turns to me and says, Miss Sabrina, can I share something? And absolutely. And she picks up her cat and she's like, this is my cat. And it was just everyone w- laughed and it was just the perfect embodiment of we're sitting around a campfire and you end up sharing something like just out of the blue and that's exactly what happened and I just thought it was so funny and so did all of the other campers and it just showed how comfortable that they were with each other even though we've only met virtually.
0: One moment that we experienced with our 4-H Camp Shank and box program this summer was during a delivery parade so we decided if there was some local kids that were nearby, we wanted to kind of bring an extra smile to their face. So we had a couple of staff members who would take the boxes and drive them. The parents had to sign up, of course, um, so that we didn't just show up at people's houses. But um, so the the staff members would pack up the the boxes for the kids and drive them to their house. And they had a bullhorn and some green pom-poms. And so they would pull up and, and our program director was on the trips, and he would say, attention 4-H campers and family members, your camp in a box has arrived. And that really made the kids day because it reminded them of being at camp. He's always the one that does the announcements here at camp, and they sound just like that. And so they just got a big old chuckle out of having him pull up and do that for them. And So that was a really special moment for us this summer.
3: For us, I always love watching the growth that our teen counselors have, and we had it again this year watching them on Zoom. Some of them were just so comfortable with Zoom. We had one counselor. Most of our counselors were paired just because we wanted to group the kids together, and we had a lot of Teams that were interested in participating with us but we had to have one counselor be on our own and we at first were a little hesitant to have him on his own not being sure how it would go he easily is distracted if he'd be a good leader and he just dominated the zoom in such a way that every time we would click in to go into his breakout room cabin session they were always laughing and super engaged and It's just one of those beautiful things that we we get to witness as being camp directors is just watching the growth of the kids throughout the year. He actually had been a camper at one point, and so now he's a counselor for us. And it's just, those are just some of my favorite things about camp that we see every year. And I'm so glad that we were able to witness that even in this weird, unprecedented summer. And hopefully we're back to normal next year.
1: When we look into whatever the new normal is going to evolve into, And let's suppose next summer suddenly everything is under control. There's a vaccine. We're all happy, happy. Do you see camps just sort of returning to what they used to be? Or do you see a hybrid sort of situation happening? Or is there anything you're going to be able to take from this summer and fold forward into whatever happens next year?
3: At 4-H Camp Beachwood, we've discussed with our counselors about doing some sort of fall program, very similar to our virtual camp, and maybe just having it over a weekend. They could do a little camp in a box and still log on to our Zoom, and we'd have like a little mini camp. We thought that might be fun and a way to engage our campers in the middle of fall or winter, even when we obviously aren't at camp. Like I said, we were very successful, so we thought it would be worth giving it a try for an
5: off-season event. I think we do have other camps that are looking at adding in fall family programs because they have, as they've gained steam this summer and tried something new that they've never done before and then found that it's working and uh, parents and families are interested. They are adding dates into September and October. So my hope, and I know I've had some conversation with some of our camp directors, is that Some of these new programs that were developed, it might make sense to continue them for the future alongside the traditional resident or day camp, whatever that new tradition becomes or whatever it looks like. Some of these new opportunities, they don't necessarily pull away from what that traditional experience has been. It might be an added component for a camper that comes to camp for a week, but then would like to do camp in a box for another experience during the summer or the families, we've heard from families that they'd never sent their children to camp before, but they came as a family this summer, and now they're ready to send them next summer, their children, and so the experience as a whole, you know, these are, as we all know, uncertain times, and so come next summer as families make the decision to send their campers to camp, all these things we've done this year for camps still to be present in the lives of families will help us next summer for families to feel more comfortable, feel that we're on top of the game and we have a plan. So I think that experience uh, hopefully can add on to those things we would do in the future.
1: Cool. And Sean, it does bring up a point. So you mentioned the possibility of some camps doing fall activities. Um, Where can people find information about what's happening with with 4-H camps? What's the best source of information?
5: There is the one, that we, the New York State 4-H camp website, so you could just Google New York State 4-H camps, and each camp runs a very unique program. A lot of their social media feeds, their Facebook pages will have information about what they're going to do, uh, upcoming events, things like that. Our system being so unique and diverse, we don't have one answer. This is what we're all doing. Uh, there is, uh, there we do have the one website that has all the camps listed on it, and from there you can go to each camp site if you want to go somewhere local or if you're thinking you'd like to, you know, depending what travel restrictions might be in place or, or you know, that kind of thing. But there are, we do expect to have some opportunities this fall, at, at least a few of our camps, and you know, that's also as we develop programming for 21, that's the place to go to to find out where camps are at and what they're doing.
1: Awesome. We'll put a link in the uh, show notes for sure to make sure people can find that. But I, d- uh, I did want to jump back. Uh, Sabrina said in our in our chat here that you forgot to mention some of the uh, small pro- group programming you did, and, and you worked through WPBS as well. Sabrina, what was that about?
4: We were able to provide two small group programs following the day camp guidelines. One was purely for youth, so it was a group of 12 youth that came together once a week for three hours a day to do environmental science programming. And then the other was a small group family activity. And that was an evening activity from 8 to 10 PM, which we've never done at camp other than obviously camp itself. And we invited families to come out and have a campfire and learn about the stars, which You can see really well at camp, and so we were able to do that all summer, and the combination of the two was really nice to be able to provide to the community and interact with youth in a way that we hadn't been able to in so long, and interact with the families as well. And then outside of the small group programming, we were also able to partner with our local WPBS station this summer um, on a project called Camp TV, and I provided three seven-minute camp sections. There were activities that would be done at camp that I recorded and provided to them, and those were put into an actual Camp TV program that aired across the country that was you know, an hour long, there was an MC that was the camp director or camp counselor. And he kind of uh, went from camp to camp with different activities. It was a really cool program. And Camp Wabasso, we provided a guided hike through our nature trail here. I did a campfire treats segment where I taught youth how to make banana boats and campfire baked apples. And then the third one was uh, tie-dye with a twist, which was tie dyeing with fruits and vegetables. So we did tie dyeing with onion and turmeric, with red cabbage, and with berries.
2: Excellent. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything that we didn't ask that we should have or anything you've thought of as, as we went along that you wanted to share?
0: Earlier, Amy mentioned that the connection with the staff and the kids during camp is really important. And one of the things that I noticed our staff doing this summer was as they were packing a box, if they recognized the camper's name from previous summers, or even if they didn't, they wrote a personalized little note on every single box that went out to the kids. And I just thought that was really special, and I enjoyed seeing that.
1: Awesome. I love this conversation because... We are in in relatively grim times, but the work that you guys have done is really, it's amazingly hopeful and awesome. So I just want to express my gratitude for the fact that you guys looked at this situation and actually realized there were things you could do and you had such a positive impact. So it's been great listening to you guys talk. Thanks.
5: Thanks, Paul. And and I think like that, for our educators, our camp directors, these were these were hard decisions, you know. About do we run camp or not? So, some of them were personally impactful decisions. Our camp directors had to struggle through those months of well, if I go be a camp director, I have to quarantine from my family and young children when I come home. For who? And back then we didn't. If we know now, we didn't know then. And camp directors are responsible for the lives of young people and the staff that they employ and these decisions were really hard, but the whole time wanting to maintain that sense of hope and joy for families. And I think as the summer has played out, we certainly had our ups and downs as we went through months, as we all came back from a camp conference in mid-March. All of our camp directors, most of us were at a conference together. And as we drove home, things became, something said, yes, something is blowing up. And so we then went from there to, well, what are we going to do? Highs and lows. And I think at the end of the summer when all is said and done, our 4-H camp directors across the state will have shown that they dove in and like delivered programming to families and kids that we never would have done otherwise. These are just simply things we just didn't do, this virtual programming. I would dare say probably many of the people that received camp in the box, I don't know about many, but certainly some never had experience with camp before. That's a new reach and I think that hope that we have inspired for families and And kids, and I think for each other, as we've partnered together to try to figure out what's the right thing to do, it's kept everybody going and and really been helpful to the families this summer.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode. Extension Out Loud was produced and edited by Paul Treadwell with help from Katie Belden and RJ Anderson.
2: For more about this episode, including show notes, a listener survey, uh, sign up for our mailing list and more, visit extensionoutloud.com. And be sure to subscribe to Extension Out Loud on your favorite podcast directory.